The Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association presents Top of the Stretch, a podcast that looks at harness racing in the Buckeye State. Today on Top of the Stretch, we once again will be speaking one of, with one of the new directors of the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association. There were four new directors elected, and one of those directors is Dr. Jason Melillo. Uh, Dr. Malillo, welcome to today's broadcast. Thank you, Roger. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay. Uh, let's get right to the, the big issue. How did you become involved in harness racing? So I always love when people ask me this question. So uh, when I was a kid, uh, I grew up in New Jersey. My grandfather is a first-generation American. My great-grandfather was an Italian immigrant, came over from Ellis Island and settled in New Jersey. And, and when I was little, my grandfather used to take my brother and I to the Meadowlands uh, to watch the Trotters and the Pacers go. And, and it was always so much fun for us because, you know, we would look at the program and tell him which horse we liked, and he would go make the best for us. If we won, we got to keep it. So we loved it because if we lost, he had to pay for it. We never gave him our own money. And, uh, he was he was a blue collar guy. My grandfather he worked three jobs, and that was his that was his happy place when he got to go to the track. And I remember him telling me uh, how much he wished he could be one of the people down in the winter circle getting their picture taken with their horse. And you know that statement always stuck with me. And then um, probably about gosh, it's been about ten years now. I met somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody, and they put me in touch with Ronnie Burke. And uh, I, when he offered me the chance to be an owner, I jumped on it, and the rest is history. You know, in those early days, you were always a winner, and I'm sure uh, that has not uh, been the case throughout your racing career because there's, you're bound to have some losers occasionally. But fortunately, you have had a number of winners over your career, even though it's a short career in harness racing, haven't you? Oh, yeah, I've been incredibly lucky to um, have had the chance to own some really good racehorses and to, to be able to participate in some really big races. Um, you know, the, the goal was always, you know, I know there's a lot of money involved in, in racing, but the goal for me was always to to enjoy myself. You know, break even, hopefully make some money, but, but mostly have fun. And I haven't had a year yet where I haven't had fun. Even this last year when everything shut down, uh, once things got back up again, you know, you could feel that excitement come back, and it was a lot of fun to, to get to watch them all race. What are your thoughts on the current state of harness racing? You know, I think we're in a pretty good place right now. I think, especially in Ohio, I think there's a very robust program here, both on the breeding side and on the racing side. Um, you know, we've got, got some, some really good tracks here that we've got year-round racing and and. You know, we've, we've got a pretty competitive product uh, on a national stage, um, you know, but, but I think that we need to make sure we're not losing sight of how tenuous that good ground can be. Um, you know, I know that recently there have been some proposals in, in Pennsylvania that could really pull the rug out from under the horsemen uh, and the people all around the industry. And so I think, you know, we need to enjoy what we have but continue to show how important uh, racing is to the economy, um, as well as to the entertainment of the people in the in the state that that have racing. 
What can we do to improve uh, harness racing? You know, I think trying to figure out a way to engage with with our fans uh, and our and our consumers um, in a digital way, maybe something that would appeal to uh, you know a little bit younger demographic, I think could help. And then, you know, I think coupling that with with improving the at the track experience for owners and fans in a way that would make the fans want to become owners or want to be a part of this um, would be ideal. I think we're making great strides on some infrastructure in the, in the sport in that, you know, you don't need to be somebody that has maybe, you know, 10 or $20,000 of disposable cash lying around to be an owner. You can engage in some fractional groups that are starting to pop up in order to get, you know, that, that thrill of being an owner and that, that, um, you know, camaraderie and that friendship that comes with bringing people back to the track once the pandemic slows down. I, so I think focusing on, on the, on the owners as, as consumers and customers as well as the betters and the fans, I think would go a long way. Now, I keep going back to when we speak of fractional ownership to Anthony McDonald, who runs the stable.ca, uh, and I was talking to Anthony a few days ago, and fractional ownership, he has over 900 owners involved in his program alone uh, and they're from all over the world. Yeah, it's impressive. And, I mean, I don't think you can discount that kind of publicity for the sport. And, you know, I, he's one of the bigger uh, and more successful uh, fractional ownership groups. I know there are some smaller ones that are around, even some really small local ones that I was mm-hmm. a part of a couple of years ago that are that are no less enjoyable. But, again, I think, you know, any way we can bring in people – who, who then can, in normal conversation, you know, at, a, at an office party or I guess nowadays it's a Zoom happy hour, can just kind of mention, oh, yeah, you know, I'm just excited because my race force won the other day. You'd be amazed how many heads that turn in mixed company where people are like, wait, you have a racehorse? How is that even possible? Because people don't understand that harness racing is a very approachable sport from an ownership standpoint, unlike thoroughbred racing, which, you know, the normal people get priced out of pretty quickly. How did you become involved with the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association? So one of uh, one of the first horses I ever owned, and actually one of my favorite horses of all time, is um, was Pink Camo, and she was for for a pretty good stretch was the the track record holder for two year old fillies at Scioto, and it was it was actually one of the first races I ever saw. Uh, in person with a horse that I owned was the day that she set that track record. And, um, and Ronnie Burke trained her and was great with her. And as she kind of got towards the end of her racing career, you know, I, I decided I wanted to keep her and I bought out the other partners and I said, okay, I'll just, I'll just breed her. I knew nothing about that. Never bred a horse in my life. I know nothing about horses. And so I was lucky enough to find my way to Sugar Valley Farm, mostly because of its reputation, but also because it was the closest one to my house. And I met Joe McLeod uh, when I, when I, first time I ever met him was when I came up to ask him about taking on Pink Camo as a broodmare at his farm. And, uh, you know, from that, it, it turned into a friendship and then a partnership. And uh, he's the one who kind of said, look, you know, we need to, we need people like you get a little bit more involved and and that's how I kind of started to become an advocate for the sport mostly because I, I had um, 
you know, I, I was I was getting all three um, parts of it. You know, I was a fan, I was an owner, and then I was dabbling in the breeder thing. So I guess it's one of those things where I'm a, I'm a jack of all trades in the sport, but a master of none, and and I'm just happy to be able to to be a part of it. You know, I I know that you've had some big moments in harness racing, but do you have a favorite harness racing memory? You know, my my favorite one, um, and it it really has more to do with what happened around the race than the race, even though the race was really exciting. But in 2018, uh, Joe and I and Billy Walters owned a trotter named I'm Pink 2, and uh, she won the three-year-old Sire Stakes Finals in Ohio. And that was great. But what was even more memorable about that night was I had been talking about my horses and, and, uh, all my experiences at work. And so some of my partners were like, Hey, we want to come see a race. And I said, well, this is the finals. I said, I don't know if you really want to see this one because if she doesn't race well, if she breaks strides, I might start flipping tables and be bummed out the rest of the night. They said, no, no, we want to come. And so it was such a fun night because it was, it was the first time my friends had ever come to the racetrack. They made their first ever bet on uh, my horse, and they put they put like a hundred bucks each on her nose, which I found out afterwards. And I was like, "What are you guys crazy?" And they said, "Well, you said she was a good horse." <laughs> but and I thought, "No, I wouldn't even have the guts to put a hundred on her nose." But um, it was so much fun because when when she won, our entire table jumped up and down like we all owned her, and we walked down to the winner's circle. And my one of my partners, Doctor Plant, um, kissed the horse and was taking selfies with her and. You know, then afterwards we all went and, and you know, I bought everybody dinner and, and you know, we, we were toasting the horse, toasting friendship, and it was just a great night, a great experience. And if, if more people, if more people could share that, I think we'd have a lot more, um, lot more owners in the sport, which would be awesome. And the funny thing is, um, they all still have that, the, the picture of the winner circle up in their office um, right now, <laughs> even at work, to, to remember mm-hmm. the day they got to take the picture with the horse. You know, so often you've brought it out uh, several times in this uh, broadcast that you can be in just a regular setting and bring up uh, what you do as kind of a extracurricular, so to speak, uh, owning harness horses. You just never know what's going to develop out of that conversation because it's, uh, it's catching. Uh, they catch on to the enjoyment that you're having and the, the love for what you're doing uh, in the sport of harness racing, and it is so catching that they'll get involved as well. Probably, it really is. You know, I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of administrative work um, for Ohio Health, and you know, sometimes when you're in these meetings, these Zoom meetings, or you just meet people for the first time and they ask these little icebreaker questions, I love throwing out that one of my hobbies is you know. Uh, you know, watching my horses race. And it, it's amazing how just the, the, the sense of astonishment that comes over the room, like, what do you mean you own race horses? Like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. And uh, from there, it just grows. So it, 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 it's a lot of fun. Uh, let's get a little more personal now. Uh, tell us something about your family. So I have, uh, I have a great family. Um, even through this pandemic, when, when we were, what my daughter was calling forced togetherness, when we were suffering through that, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. So I have, I am, I've been married to the, the same person I took to prom. So my wife and I have been married for 27 years. We were prom dates. 
and I like to say that we were an 80s power couple. I have a picture I'll show you that can prove that with my acid wash jeans and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, I have four kids. They're all older. Uh, two boys, two girls. My oldest is 25. My youngest just turned 19. Uh, and uh, we live in Powell, and we have uh, a big, dumb, lovable Labrador retriever to round out the fam. How does the, the wife and you, your children, uh, have they got kind of involved and got the bug for harness racing? So my youngest did. My youngest, when, when he, he was a numbers kid, he was a kid that really liked math. And so I would take him to Scioto and, you know, he would pick out the horses. But the really interesting thing was this kid used to figure out, you know, I would tell him what the odds were and I'd say, okay, for a $2 bet, how much did you win? And he was able to tell me. And then when it would pop up on the tote board, he was pretty darn close. So, you know, that didn't translate into him being able to pick the winners any better, but he can figure out what the payouts would be. So he's, he's been the one that's been the most excited. Um, once my kids got older and they were able to place bets on their own, um, I think they, they had a little bit more enjoyment. My wife, um, I think she likes it, um, but I think she likes it more because it keeps me occupied and I don't bother her. But she does come to the big races with me and enjoys it. Uh, well, being a doctor, you got to have some hobbies and other interests, don't you? I do. I um, I was, uh, I really enjoy, um, you know, life is so hectic and fast-paced. I'm really starting to enjoy the kind of quiet things. So I'm getting back into, um, you know, reading good books. Um, I like a lot of historical fiction. Um, and I like a lot of uh, watching a lot of good documentaries. Um, I'm a sucker for good comedy. You know, I keep waiting for anytime there's a good, anybody's got a good Netflix series that's funny, I'll watch that uh, every time. And then I do enjoy uh, nice spring nights where I can make a fire in the fire pit, sit outside, sip on some bourbon, and, and listen to the races on, uh, on my phone. Uh, your occupation, of course, is a doctor, but tell us something about your medical career and how it's standing now. So I am uh, I'm an OBGYN. Uh, I went to medical school at OSU. I trained at Riverside, and I was in private practice for 20 years in Columbus have probably delivered almost 4,000 babies. But recently I took a job um, as director of women's health for Ohio Health. Um, so I'm mostly administrative now. I do some uh, inpatient stuff with uh, the residents teaching future doctors. And the funniest thing about that is when I tell people that I have horses and that I breed them and, you know, sometimes they'll be like, oh, it was great. You know, my, my mare just had her full, you know, last week. And people will be like, did you deliver it? And I said, no, I didn't deliver it. They said, well, you deliver babies. Can you deliver horses? And I'm like, no, it's completely different. Like, <laughs> no, you don't want me delivering. First of all, the horse probably doesn't need me around. Second of all, I'd probably be scared that she's going to kick me. I said, and third of all, that's probably about the same thing as what I do in real life with humans, where they'd probably be tired <laughs> without me. And some of them do get riled up, and I almost get kicked. So the more I thought about it, the, the less crazy it seemed. That's wild. Hey, uh, you've had a lot of big thrills in racing and such, but do you have something that uh, is on your bucket list for harness racing? You know, the one – so it, it, this was my biggest thing, and it actually happened last year, but I was, was my biggest I've, – I've had a lot of horses and a lot of big races. You know, we had that Philly and the Hamiltonian, which was 
amazing. And But the one thing that I really wanted was for a horse that I bred to win a big race for her new owners. And um, because I just remember when I was getting into the breeding market and I, I told Joe this, I said, you know, I would be so cool if one of Pink Camo's babies could make her owners as happy as she made me when she won her first big race. And that actually happened last year with, um, uh, there's a, a, a filly called Pink and Perfect that was uh, Pink Camo's third foal, and she won a leg of the Sire Stakes at Northfield. And I, I wasn't there. I was watching it online because of everything. And my goodness, I almost jumped through the ceiling when she crossed that finish line. I was more excited for her winning that race than I was that when, when her mama did. Uh, in uh, 2012, I think. Thank you for listening to Top of the Stretch. Top of the Stretch podcasts are a presentation of the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association. 